recognize this man? Your wife's had an almost total loss of memory. I can't believe she doesn't know her own husband. This missing link person is not my husband. Oh, Annie, please. Annie. Annie. Right? No, that's not right. That's not my name. This is completely crazy. Honey, sit. I, I, everything's going to be okay. Now, I am your husband. My name is Dean Prophet. We've been married for 13 years. Wait. I admit I have forgotten numerous things. But I truly, from the depths of my soul, do not remember you. Now, don't you think there'd be some spark of recognition? We don't know. Maybe you'll spark to this. seems to like you, and he's a nice guy. He's good looking. Queen. Thank you. What's my full name? Oh, come on. What is it? Mrs. Annie Prophet. What's my maiden name? Annie Goolahee. Annie Goolahee? Where in God's name did I grow up? Dog Patch? Oh, no, not there. Over in Goober, Idaho. That's a nuclear waste dump. Where did I meet you? Hank's Donut World. Seattle, you used to hang out there every night when you were still in the Navy. You remember, remember? I was in the armed forces? Well, I think I've still got some of those postcards you sent me from Okinawa. The, the Navy? Oh, come on, honey. You gotta know, you were in the Navy. No, I don't know. I don't know any of this, and I don't know you. I need some proof. Stop staring at me. Eat your checkers. Look, if it were up to us, we'd be glad to give her to you, but she's right. I'm going to need some verification. Oh, good. listen, I, I know what you mean. I, I understand. Now, I don't like to talk about this in public, and I've never told anybody about this, but she does have a small strawberry-like birthmark. Uh, it's kind of high up on her left cheek, and it's, it's unique. Come to daddy. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 271, Overboard. And this is listener request number 27, courtesy of Christy. And we're talking about the 1987 original, of course, not Uh the remake with 
Anna Ferris. Zach does the thing where he goes into pretty great detail when he's explaining like the schedule and how we pick movies from lists of people's listener requests. And I feel like when you were telling me about this list and you said overboard, I, I was like thinking to myself, the Tom Hanks mermaid movie <laughs> splash or whatever. Like that's what came to mind. I had certainly never seen this, although I, we were going over the list and I, I have seen some of these other Goldie Hawn movies, but this was a first for me with overboard. Right. Yeah. Christy wanted us to get into the Goldie Hawn of it all, That's saying right. that we needed to discuss the, quote, patron saint of MILFs everywhere. <laughs> Christy, well please. Said, yeah. We're trying to keep our sexism casual. Yeah, really, that's show. not helping. <laughs> You're dragging us back to our old ways. <laughs> yeah, she provided a, a list of some Goldie Hawn movies. This is the one I was most familiar with, so I, I latched onto it, but apparently you hadn't seen it. Correct. Nothing new for... This show, though, especially in <laughs> yeah. recent weeks, really. really. Yeah, JFK, that was a first-time watch. Immediate five-star for me. Not sure if Overboard's quite there, but I did enjoy it. So before we jump into Overboard, let's remind everyone to follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod, and you can interact with us on there. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc., wherever you find us. That way you never miss an episode, you never miss a give us a second. Please make sure you're downloading every episode. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I don't think anybody's following that direction. And hey, please, if you get a chance, go on to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review. We love to hear from people. We have a great time seeing those reviews. And hey, you can follow in Jade's footsteps and give oh, us a, a new review. Yeah, yeah. You can update your reviews if you want. <laughs> Just give us something new to read. Right. Yeah, anytime that I'm spiraling into a deep, dark <laughs> depression, it always pulls me out of it. Even so every if, day, Even basically. if briefly, yeah. And finally, you can request a sticker on Twitter, and we'll send that to you for free. Plus, find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby. Track what we're watching in oh, addition yeah. to the stuff that we do for the show, and then we can see what you're watching and whatever. It's a fun little community. I enjoy Letterboxd, yeah. It's been a fun ride. That really, I don't it's, know, it breathes some life back into my movie watching, I think. <laughs> it's, it's the least toxic of the social media yeah. places, probably because there isn't that much direct interaction. Like, you can't just message other True. users and stuff. And it doesn't seem like there's that much, like, vitriol on there. Like, usually when there's people giving their opinions and there's an opportunity to give comments. Like, when I read sports articles, the people in the comments are just absolute monsters. <laughs> but you know, I've given stuff bad ratings and people will be like, oh, I, I liked this, you didn't, or whatever. It seems like people are just okay with the fact that People like some movies and don't like others. Not me. I'm, I <laughs> yeah, you're am the like most furious. critical. Yeah, that's true. Most of my like negative, harsh comments are from you. <laughs> There's listeners to this show yeah. that I see their ratings for things and I want to scream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Anyway, mm -hmm. whatever. Let's let's move off <laughs> Not Letterboxd. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the most toxic user on Letterboxd. <laughs> okay. Overboard was released in 1987. It was directed by the late, great Gary Marshall, mm. written by Leslie Dixon. The budget was $22 million. The wow. initial box office was $26.7 so it wasn't much of a hit. No, I, w I really wouldn't have looked at this and thought $22 million budget. <laughs> <laughs> I just, well, there's a lot of boat that material. Yacht, yeah, I guess. I think it was filmed on location. 
vacation? Probably not, but it seems like it is. I think at least partially. Yeah, in a set in a fictional town in the Pacific Northwest. Oh yeah, well, some of it was filmed in Oregon. A lot of it was filmed in California, though. Sure. The critical reception at the time of the release wasn't particularly strong either, but it's gone on to have a cult following being remade countless times across <laughs> world cinema. And of course, the 2018 remake starring Anna Faris with the genders swapped Oh yeah, as to who loses their memory. Didn't see that one. The film, though, possesses a pretty high score on IMDb of 6.9. So there is a following to this film. People do like it. And even though you didn't immediately know what it was, evidently, yeah. by name, it's one of those movies that I didn't need to see it uh-huh. to know what it was about. This was not my first time watching it, but even before I ever saw it, I sort of knew what the plot was just through osmosis, like okay, one of those yeah. type of movies. I don't know. Yeah, well, when I saw a picture of the cover, I definitely recognized it thinking back to like the old video rental days. I yeah. definitely recognized that cover. I will say that it's the ADR film of the millennium. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> sure voices recorded after the fact That's right. throughout the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of lines being delivered when you can't see the actors' faces. Yeah, even sometimes when you can. Yeah, true. <laughs> so the Kurt Russell Goldie Hawn relationship by this point had been going on for several years. Mm. It's I wasn't like sure they, about that. It's not yeah. like they had met on this movie or anything. Okay. They've appeared in several films together. This is probably the most iconic, I think, of those films that they've done together. Attractive couple, certainly. Yeah, and I was wondering, could there ever be a modern equivalent to that sort of relationship where overall you would have to say that there's almost universal approval ratings across the board? Guys like Kurt Russell and guys like Goldie Hawn, women like Kurt Russell, women like Goldie Hawn, men and women like this relationship. Everyone sort of embraces it. Everyone wins. And I was thinking, probably not. And it's not because... Well, it's tough. That's a lot of boxes to check. Well, it's not because of anything to do with modern day actors and actresses other than we just know too much about them. Yeah. And that That's causes people to have a reason not to like somebody most of the time. There's totally. no mystique anymore yeah. with actors and actresses. When this movie came out, I don't have the exact ages in front of me, but both of them were already about 40 years old. Mm-hmm. They'd already had storied careers. Wow. And both looking damn good for 40. Yeah, you don't know Holy much hell. about them <laughs> because there's no Twitter. Right. There's no Instagram. There's no social media. There's no like Army Hammer situation going on. <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah. And if there was, you didn't know. That's right. The mystique with Hollywood is completely gone. Yeah, I know. Nobody's going to feel this way about Megan Fox and Machine no. Gun Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As soon as Twitter started, it almost immediately had a depreciating effect on actors and stars where you yeah, were like, wow, that's these the thing that blows suck. my mind. Yeah. Like, people. Do yourself a favor and follow yeah. Brie Larson on Twitter, and you'll think that this is an alien dressed in a robot costume. Or something. Like, it doesn't seem like a human. Yeah, yeah. And they're trying so hard to be relatable that they're completely unrelatable right. and strange. Yeah. I'm singling her out only because she's super popular. Uh-huh. But like, there are so many other actresses and actors, too, that 
try to create personas, but yeah. it doesn't work, and it's so weird. And people have started to catch on and mock this stuff relentlessly, but I don't know. You just don't have that vibe with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hunt. You think, these are real people. They're good-looking, but oh, yeah. they could live on your street. They could be your friend's parents. Yeah. Wow. There's a relatability <laughs> to them. going to that barbecue. Some people probably do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say, yes, they are above-average-looking, but yeah. they don't seem non-human they just seem like people and that's this relatability that i think is gone because celebrities are so weird yeah i know and then they have to show us on social media how weird they are (laughs) oh god but yeah overboard overall is a light-hearted fun comedy the premise is creepy there's no way around it and it gets creepier as it goes they do a little bit of a job to try to make it less creepy at first with <laughs> his motive the way that he's like explaining this away is like well she never paid her bill <laughs> right so she's gonna work it off <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you're like what does that mean yeah. <laughs> no they have her sleep on the couch right, for a right. while but yeah. then eventually <laughs> they consummate yeah the they ma- go for the it and you're like well it's still all under false pretense right i know I know that it was designed in a way to make the audience feel less terrible about what's happening, but it's still happening. I know it's just not acceptable today, and I I totally get why, but there's something nice about the fact that it is just like so lighthearted and just not meant to be taken as something horrible. Oh, yeah. There aren't really comedies like this in theaters now, and when you point to the box office of this film, it's hard to really justify that there would be, but... This is something now that would be released to Netflix or something like that. Sure. There's really no theatrical prospect for a movie like this now. I don't think so. But now they would just do a remake of this, which is what they did. They don't come up with new things. It's a little bit similar to... Remember... I can't remember the name of the original movie, but Guy Ritchie remade it with... Swept Away. Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of similar to that, too. Yeah, it's a similar premise. Although that takes it to a darker place. Heiress Joanna Staten, played by Goldie Hawn, and her husband, Grant Staten III, dock at the fictional coastal town of Elk Cove, Oregon, for repairs to their yacht. While waiting, Joanna hires a local carpenter by the name of Dean Prophet, played by Kurt Russell, to remodel her closet on the boat. (laughs) Wow, imagine having this sort of need. (laughs) Yeah, she depicts the scenario as an emergency (laughs) to get him to come faster. This whole opening story is like basically the same way that the Pam and Tommy series starts off. (laughs) (laughs) He comes on to do this job and then the person just doesn't want to pay. Yeah, They wanted something else. They wanted cedar, not oak. Joanna is the prototypical decadent 80s rich bitch, (laughs) which was definitely a character type in this late 80s era. Yeah. Wearing these insane outfits, over-the-top fashion. She's got a thong at one point. Bending over right in front of Dean, which feels intentional. I think so. Her husband, Grant, played by Edward Herman, R.I.P. Oh, yeah. From Gilmore Girls. A very fun character actor of this time. (laughs) He's he's pretty fun in this movie. (laughs) What does he say at one point? I'm so virile, I'm so young or something. (laughs) Saying ridiculous Some things. life these two are living. And early on, there's a big emphasis on Joanna's wealthy lifestyle. It's very over the top. 
What a place to be doing it, though, just kind of like off the coast of the small like fishing town in Oregon. Yeah, we're not really sure where they're going or yeah. where they're from exactly. I know there's some New York connections later, but I was thinking, okay, well, what way are they getting to New York? Are they going all the way the to the long Panama way. Canal? Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there's no know, short that's way. That's what I'm saying, I know. They're going up through the Arctic Circle. <laughs> I couldn't figure out where they were going. Right. I enjoy when Dean is working in the bedroom, on the closet, and then Joanna is talking to Grant about yes. him outside. I know. <laughs> it almost seems weird that she's like, oh, wait, he can hear us. Because I am just taking it that she knows he can and doesn't care at first. And yeah. then she knows he's right on the other side of this wall. Just being over-the-top mean. Oh, yeah. Saying that he smells. <laughs> <laughs> Dean produces quality work and is all set to get the hell out of there. But Joanna explodes because he used oak instead of cedar, despite her not having requested this at the start. Dean agrees to redo the closet if he is paid for the work he has already done, but Joanna refuses and they have an argument during which he berates her for her arrogant and pompous attitude, uh-huh. which the crew of the yacht overhears and applauds. Celebrating. <laughs> and they're like, finally. <laughs> Somebody's saying it. Although she really takes a pretty horrible turn here. Does she really have to throw the tools into the water? <laughs> well, she throws him into the water. I know, but... She straight up pushes Dean off of the yacht and That's... into the water. <laughs> I know, but then it's like this guy's livelihood, these tools. Yeah, especially that one little case. Yeah. It's wood. Right. So it's probably not going to no. go great. And plus the, the metal tools are probably going to sink uh-huh. to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. He's going to have to put in some extra hours at that second job. Well, up here in Elk Snout, ma'am, see, we don't know about them closets, nor bathrooms, neither. Shit, woman, you're lucky I am house broke. You were listening. Yeah, well, it's kind of hard to avoid. Well, you can avoid it in the future because you're fired. Oh, you're unbelievable. That's fine with me. Just pay me the money you owe me. Job was not done to my satisfaction. Oh, I got news for you, lady. No job will ever be done to your satisfaction. Well, that's quite enough. Now just get out. Hey, no problem. Just pay me the 600 bucks you owe me and I'm gone. Captain Carl, start up the engine. Oh, for crying out. You know what your problem is, huh? You're so goddamn bored, you gotta invent things to bitch about. You haven't got a single thing on this earth to do except for your hair. Yeah, your closet was fine. You just needed something to take up your useless, empty, nail-polishing, toe-polishing, rich bitch, sun-tanning days. Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch me! What? <laughs> hey, lady. I may be hard up, but I am definitely not that hard up, and I'm not going anywhere. And... Hey! Damn you! Man overboard! I get you for this, you... Not my tool belt! You owe me 600 bucks! Keep going! As you wish. Joanna calls mommy Catherine, played by Edith Mintz, who I will always know as Mona from Who's the Boss. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a television show that that was in the middle of its big run during this time period. Wow. I think it ran from the late 80s into the early 90s. So Mona was having like a moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. 
She's in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's clear, though, that Dean's words got through to Joanna a little bit, because why else would she be calling her mother and complaining about right. it? Yeah. A lot of it rang true, and I guess that's maybe your only indication in the beginning that maybe there's a decent person underneath that she's not all bad. It's hiding down there pretty deep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That there's some indication. It is one of the weirder transformations in a movie that I've ever seen because even the way she talks is like this affected voice that she does that just sort of goes away. But I feel like she still kind of has it post-amnesia. But over time, she like starts to have a way more normal dialect. Yeah, well, it's sort of like baptism by fire. Once she's just thrown into this other life, she assimilates into that. Right. It's sort of like how Madonna picked up a British accent. That's right, yeah. <laughs> you just sort of... It just happens. ...become this person because yep. out of necessity because it's who you are. And she doesn't know any better, even though the whole idea of this amnesia is insane to me. <laughs> but okay, it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> we meet... Dean's friend, Billy, played by the late, great Mike Haggerty, who just passed away recently. A lot of people, unfortunately, involved in this movie no longer living. I will say, though, a decent run by Mike Haggerty because he looks kind of old in this movie. <laughs> he's probably younger than me. He's not He's not looking like Kurt Russell, I'll say that. <laughs> well, not all of us are blessed no. to look like Snake Plissken. Yeah. We get a little tiny glimpse into Dean's home life he's a single father to four boys he is a widower unfortunately without the presence of a mother these boys have turned into feral animals dude this whole home life just seems like hell it's my nightmare when she walks into this place and it's just these four dudes running around like making ruckus like all the time non-stop <laughs> oh my gosh i can't handle it well she's not there yet right and I think that for whatever reason, this is the life that Dean is choosing because he thinks that enforcing rules and stuff is a bad idea. I'm not really sure why. They don't spend a ton of time explaining how he's come to this point in his life. Do you think that there's ever been a babysitter situation or in his widow years, it's just always been, look, kids, I'm going to work, two jobs. No, because isn't the one woman storming out of there? That's true. Uh, well, I don't know. I didn't know what her deal was. I thought she was like social services or something. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that there was someone that was freaked out and he maybe attempted a babysitter at one point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think that you could read into it that it's a manifestation of his depression over his wife's passing. That sure. He's given up in some aspects, whereas he's maybe thrown himself more into being the breadwinner because now he has to provide for these four children by himself, and he does have to work a second job, and there's really only so many hours in the day and so many brain cells to devote to things, and so he knows that he has to earn money to provide for four kids, and he just can't really put any focus on anything else, so he just says, fuck it. I'm Do whatever for you the want. Day. Yeah, have fun. I did notice the second time. I, I put it back on. I didn't watch it two full times, but I did start watching it again. I did notice in the opening credits that at some point it says an introducing, and it says four names, which I assume are the four kids. Yeah. And not thinking that there was much of a movie career for any of the four. That's not true. We'll, get, no? we'll, okay. we'll circle back. Didn't recognize the names. We'll say that. No, you wouldn't recognize the names, but one of them 
has been in a couple things. Okay, cool. That night, Joanna goes on deck to retrieve her wedding ring, which she has left there. Oh, yeah, this is like one of the most insane falls. This was almost like the JFK thing. Like, this fall does not make sense. (laughs) But she loses her balance and falls overboard. The whole sequence of events here is very funny. You have Grant, who we will find out and confirm later, is not the wealthy one of the two. No. And sort of living off of the teat here. Just so annoyed by his wife and wants to watch Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Even when she's screaming help on the deck, he just turns the TV up. (laughs) Well, he doesn't exactly get painted in a better light as we move forward. No. No. We also have Roddy McDowell as Andrew, the butler on board. I saw his name as one of the producers of the film, like an executive producer credit or something to that effect. I really only know him from things like Fright Night, which was probably around the same time, but he was like a well-known actor by this point. But his part in this film is pretty small. The next morning, a story is aired on the local TV news about Joanna having been fished out of the water by a garbage scow. It turns out that she is suffering from amnesia and is taken to a local hospital. Yeah, the way that they do the news story on this... Well, first of all, I was like, this is a pretty big piece. I guess it's a big story for local news. Woman the only thing that doesn't make sense is, how is it on the news that morning? No, I know. But the, <laughs> How did it get that to that point The way point that already? they were setting it up with the husband like the way they set the scene up it's like it's on the news and he's not really paying attention and i'm like oh okay he's not gonna know it's one of these things where it's like they're showing the audience that's on tv but he's not gonna see it no wrong <laughs> totally sees it and is like i'm not going to get her well once grant learns of this he does well yeah initially head to pick her up that's but true. after witnessing her throw an angry tantrum enough he deliberately abandons her and returns to the yacht thinking like well She doesn't know who she is, so this is basically my chance to escape. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card. Bobby, can we roll that uh, tape now, please? Now, folks, here's an interview we taped earlier out there at the hospital. Miss, do you know your your name? Of course I know my name. It's... Oh, this is absurd. I know it. it. No, get that thing out of my face. Ugh, what a horrible wig. You mean to tell me that I have no medical recourse? Well, there's Can not she see us? Not unless she's superwoman. Knows. Well, what do you know? Extend your brain a teensy little bit, if possible. You seem to be suffering from a temporary amnesia, either from the bump into the garbage scow or the shock of the cold water. How temporary is it? Well, we don't know. Other than that, you seem to be in excellent physical shape. Listen to me, medical people. As of now, I have a life history of a dirty garbage scow and a breakfast of extremely runny eggs over easy. Now, I refuse, refuse to be incarcerated in this semi-private room, you snore. While there are no efforts being made for anyone to try to locate someone... Is that her? I demand you do something. Do you hear me? No, I never saw her before in my life. Mrs. Staten has decided to leave me. Let's celebrate. 
Although unclear as to what the long-term plan would be. Yeah. Because she's not dead. <laughs> They're not divorced. She still exists. Eventually, he's going to have to answer questions as to where she is. Which does happen. Yeah, he's not really thinking this through. He's just going to take this as a little vacation. Although, who knows what he's leaving her with. Obviously, the movie has a certain storyline that you know, on a path that it starts to follow. But at a minimum, she's going to be in some institution not knowing who she is. It seems pretty obvious to me that she loses her memory in a part that we don't actually see. Because when she first falls into the water, she still seems like herself. And then they do reference, like, oh, well, maybe she hit her head on the boat that rescues her or something like that. Okay, yeah. Which is really the only explanation. I don't know why falling into the water would give her amnesia, necessarily. I was wondering about that myself. While free of his wife, Grant parties with younger women, intending to have Joanna's fortune to himself. Not really clear where he goes. I guess maybe up and down the coast. I don't know where these women are coming from. <laughs> They're just I know. manifesting on the boat. <laughs> just picking these girls up in small towns in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> just waving some cash around. Yeah, I guess it would be pretty impressive if you're just seeing this yacht roll by. Be like, <laughs> Alright, this guy seems like he's having a time. Ray Combs plays that hospital cop. That guy's great. Famously <laughs> inherited Family Feud in the 80s. He's the first Family Feud host I knew. Okay. Hung himself. Whoa. <laughs> Heavy. I didn't know any of this. You didn't know he was a Family Feud host? Mm-mm, no. You might be a little too young. One of the things that we've talked about a lot on this program over the years is the 80s that we miss. The used 80s. And yes. It comes up in Bull Durham or... Fabulous Baker Boys or any number of these movies where we're just like the locations and the look of this yeah. stuff and it just looks great and it just like adds this other level of depth and atmosphere and character to the movie because that world is gone everything's yeah. been torn down and rebuilt and remodeled and everything starting in you know it probably started in the 80s but it really got going in the 90s and the 2000s and that world is just gone but this bowling alley the fishbowl is great oh I know and Evidently, they didn't need to change anything, even that sign underneath the television that says, oh, like, that's do amazing. not touch the yeah. TV. Everything was exactly as it was, and I was just like, man, I wish places like this still existed. I know. That could be the spot, the fishbowl. Oh, God. I know. I don't even want to have flat screen TVs in a place like that. I no. want the old television like analog. Sets. Yeah. Analog. <laughs> <laughs> like a jukebox that has actual 45s That's right, <laughs> Yeah. After seeing her story on the news, Dean gets all kinds of ideas. First, his focus is the $600 bill she stiffed him on for the closet work. But then, despite pleas from Billy not to do it, Dean goes to the hospital and tells her that she is his wife, Annie, Uh, and the mother of his four sons. Both the police and doctors so willing to believe this. And I know that there is a little plot element here that sort of pushes it over the edge but it doesn't feel like they're asking for much to just hand this woman over yeah it's a comedy okay it's supposed to be that she's such a terror yeah that they're like take her please (laughs) the only proof is that he saw her butt in the thong and she has a strawberry shaped birthmark on one of her butt cheeks which he is able to identify she has no memory she doesn't know that 
this is the fucking guy she hired. So she even like ducks behind something to check her own butt. Yeah, which I was like, is it in a spot that you'd be able to easily like peek back? (laughs) I don't know. It's just baffling to me. I know that people do have memory loss, especially after certain events or traumatic events or head injuries. But the amnesia as it's portrayed in television and movies is always so strange as to trying to figure out what they can remember and can't remember. Because she still has essentially the same personality, but she can't remember anything. Right. At all. It's weird to me that you can remember how to do everything and recognize what normal things are, like the things that you're just seeing, like, oh, yeah, that's a TV. But you just can't remember any details about your life. Right, and words that... I just picked up on some of the words she was yeah. using, and I'm like, how would she know what that is? Right. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I know. It's very but specific. It's a I very don't know. specific disorder. I don't know. Maybe it can really be like that. Maybe not to the extent as in this movie, but yeah. I don't really understand how it works or, or anything, and I wasn't really going to do a whole term paper on amnesia for no. this. <laughs> didn't really seem worth it. doesn't really seem like it actually comes up in day-to-day life very often. No. She just doesn't remember who she is and is a blank slate. That's all you really need to know. There you go. So yes, the hospital staff is so eager to be rid of her that the birthmark is more than enough proof (laughs) that he is her husband, and they let her go home with him. And so she reluctantly does, because what choice does she have, presumably to live forever as Annie now? Forever. Although, don't they say that her memory will come back at some point? I thought that they'd Right, but I'm saying in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, things are going to change one way or another, but in that moment... What other choice does she have? She's got to go with this guy she doesn't know. Didn't they do a movie with Rachel McAdams and somebody where one of them has amnesia and they have to like maybe Channing Tatum or something? They have to like re-remember. I haven't seen it. Fall in love again. But I saw the one with Bill Pullman and Sandra Bullock. While you were sleeping. Yeah. Yeah, but that's fake though. (laughs) Well, they convince a guy that he has amnesia. Oh my god, he has amnesia. <laughs> when are we doing while you were sleeping? Yes. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. I loved that movie when I, I was know. a kid. Same. This movie is jam-packed with lots of gags and stuff that isn't necessarily treated as anything other than normal, but it's absurd. Right. They're riding home from the hospital and she's in the back of the truck in the bed <laughs> yeah. with the two dogs in the front seat. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's kind of a lot of like crude humor in it, too, for like a PG movie. Yeah, there are definitely a little more lenient yeah. with that kind of stuff. It does have more of a PG-13 vibe yeah. to it. Well, even back on the boat, when she's talking about the caviar, it's supposed to be like hard and round and explode in your mouth at the right time, and they all yeah. kind of look at each other. <laughs> right. I mean, well, this is a family movie. Double entendre. Yeah, yeah. Joanna is... Horrified. The residence is in disarray. Cars, trucks in various states of disrepair all over the yard. There's sloped floors in the house. That's just like always a sign of trashiness. Cars in the yard. (laughs) I know. They've only lived there for a short time, too. So were the cars already there? Yeah. One bathroom. Everything is a total mess. Plus four boys. Oh, no. (laughs) Obviously... (laughs) This is something I wouldn't know anything about, but I feel like even if you have amnesia, you would have to know whether or not you've given birth four times. I, I thought that as well. You would think there'd so be like some sort of but I don't know physical toll that it's taken. 
gosh. I'm just saying. But also, like, for these kids, the fact that they're able to keep this up just because their dad was like, hey, pretend this woman's your mom, and none of them break character. Well, one of them's walking around with fucking smut all the time. It's true. I guess I guess there's a couple things where they kind of break character, but they, they pretty much go with this bit. Well, I'm just saying, Yeah, he's interested in women. Right. He's hitting puberty. This hot woman oh, comes I to know. live in their house all of a sudden. That just I, seems I'd like go it along with it. <laughs> <laughs> the scene where she's in the bathroom trying on the dress and then comes out in that dress that doesn't remotely fit and he's having to like come up with different reasons like oh you used to be fat and you lost all this weight that was killing me (laughs) just her reactions to it and like holding the dress up (laughs) and then she's like i was fat and short yeah i was like yes the mat look (laughs) part of the deal though is that dean goes out every night and leaves her alone with the children, including right when he brings her back from the hospital, which is insane. <laughs> Even if have fun, she really was their mother, yeah. that would be insane to I do know. that. <laughs> Later on in the film, we're going to learn that most of the time when he goes out, he's actually working a second job. But it doesn't seem like it at first because he's at the fishbowl with Billy. And this is where he's talking about his plan and he's saying that well i figure it's 25 dollars a day which where's he coming with that figure (laughs) so she'll pay me counting is going on here in a little over a month yeah meanwhile she's working harder than he did on those closets (laughs) no kidding i don't know where he's coming up with the scale wait wait come on you jumped my bones the first night we met we did it on the first date well couldn't call it a date, really. We just did it right there in the parking lot of the 7-Eleven. I'm a slut. Huh? Nothing. Uh, oh, 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 Hey, I'm a little drunk tonight, baby, so, you know, it might take me a while to get there. <laughs> oh, what? No boom boom? Uh, hey, I understand. You probably just want to go right to sleep and... Skip the fun stuff, huh? Yes. Okay. Thank you. No boom boom. Baby? Hmm? The couch. What? You see, honey, the reason you got a bad back is because the bed's too soft for you, and that's why you always sleep on the living room couch. Okay, so obviously, if you haven't seen the film before or whatever, or you've forgotten, the big bugaboo, the big elephant in the room is the sexual politics of this film, which are strange, to say the least. Sure. Right off the bat, early on, night one, they come up with this whole thing where he tells her that because of something with her, I can't even remember what, something She's with got back. a bad back. She injured her back at one point, so you have to sleep on the couch because for some reason that would be better than the bed. <laughs> Yeah, they come up with a gimmick where she's going to sleep on the couch. Okay, fair enough. They don't have it right off the bat be, you're my wife, and you need to perform your wifely duties. Although or some he does make a comment thing. about He does at first come, because she's on the bed when he gets home. Yeah, he does sort of act like, well, if you would want to do it, we can do it. It's magic time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's like, I don't think so. 
But thankfully, they don't go down that road right. and keep that at bay for a while. Now, they are going to eventually wade into that territory sure. in a way that's sort of hard to work around. But <laughs> I think that because of the time this movie came out, which is now well over 30 years, we're talking like 35 years now, and it is lighthearted and everything, and we know that... Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn are a real couple in real life. You can just sort of accept that it is how it is. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a post-Me Too world, this right. movie would never be released. No, no, no. I don't know how it plays out in the remake because I was actually willing to watch it if it would have been streaming somewhere for free, but I was not going to rent it. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen it. I, I can't really tell you how they handle this in that. It's a little different, obviously, when people processing a woman doing this to a man instead of a man doing this to a woman my guess is i don't even know if i should guess but my guess would be that they don't have sex i would think not because they just too it would have been too controversial but i don't know her dreams joanna's dreams are a hint of her old life she does almost grasp it there's some sort of it's on the tip of her tongue. Yeah, it's almost there, but it doesn't really lead to anything, and she gets awoken up out of that dream back into the nightmare that is now her <laughs> yeah, life. Yeah, really? <laughs> Although she is a good sport about it. Kind of, yeah. I think she's reluctant at times, but you know, she'll be like, well, this doesn't sound right, but yeah, sure, I guess I'll do this. <laughs> That's sort of how she acts about like all of these horrible chores. <laughs> yeah. Joanna initially has difficulty dealing with Dean's son's and the heavy load of chores, but over time starts to somehow adapt. There's a lot of montages of her working around the house, doing laundry, doing chores, making lunches, trying to wrangle the kids, basically having a crash course in learning to be a mother and a wife in certain respects. Yeah, but it's like running the gauntlet. It's not one kid, it's these four lunatics. (laughs) Yeah, just wild animals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> masturbating and yeah. peeing and wiping their nose and shitting and one bathroom destroying everything yeah disgusting yeah it seems terrible in fact she does end up catatonic early on that's true yeah. <laughs> unable to handle it you have one kid doing the Wee herman voice which right. i was reading was not in the script and i don't know if it was the kid's idea or what but it just somehow became part of this character where this kid is doing Wee herman the whole movie <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Yeah, he improved it, and Kurt Russell just went with it. One of the brothers is from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay. He was one of the neighbors, and then he was that bully in Pet Cemetery too. All right, all right. That dude. Yeah, yeah, okay. So he had a little bit of a run. Yeah, there was a run. He had a moment. (laughs) We did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids on the podcast. We did. And I love Pet Cemetery too. Yeah. For some reason. (laughs) Finally, it dawns on Joanna to ask, well, don't we have any photos of us together or or our wedding photos, anything? So then he runs out and makes those doctored photos using pictures of her from the news. It's obviously the faces she was making (laughs) when she was picked up. I'm surprised that Billy had the technology to get this done. Well, this is how they put that picture of Oswald on the cover of Time magazine. Yeah. (laughs) See? That's right. Overboard is the key to understanding JFK. JFK. (laughs) Those doctored photos are great, though. So now Billy's more intricately involved in the ruse. I've been pulled into this crime. (laughs) I'm an accessory to whatever you're doing. (laughs) 
But it's not even bad enough that Joanna is a slave now to this family. She also is getting relentlessly bullied by the kids who are gluing her hands to plates. It definitely feels like the punishment doesn't fit the crime. We definitely start off in the movie, okay, she seems like a little bit of a villain. She's just being mean to this guy for seemingly no reason. But at this point, it's gone well beyond. <laughs> yeah, Whatever she's gotten payback were. and yeah. she's gotten her comeuppance. We can assume that she's been a terrible bitch her whole life, but we haven't seen it. We just know that she stiffed him on 600 bucks and was kind of mean to him. That's yeah, yeah. really it. Right. So now he's forcing her to do all this stuff day after day, and his kids are pranking her gluing her hands to the plate. But this is actually a turning point in her story and in the story in general because instead of like having another catatonic meltdown about it, she gets the garden hose and just starts starts spraying everybody. (laughs) And they fucking love it. They're like, all right, now she's giving us shit back. This is what we want. A chase ensues. As Joanna masters her new responsibilities, she learns about the boys' school and family issues and that Dean is secretly working two jobs to pay the bills. That's right. And she starts to see him in a little bit of a different light when she figures that out. Yes. But I'm not entirely sure why the secrecy is necessary. I don't know. Who is the secret from? The kids? Yeah. Why is the truth so they not think worse than the secret? Yeah, they think the it's cover better? story is that he goes drinking with his friends every night. Yeah, they That's think the their dad story. is like a complete <laughs> yeah, loser. Right. I'm going to leave you guys here alone every night so I can go drinking with my friends. I know. I, I'm not sure who the and then is the secret from her some rich I guess woman the that is just supposed to be that he's just embarrassed that he has to work two jobs. I guess, but I don't know why. I, I, no offense, but I mean the house is a dumb. <laughs> I know. It, Are you not embarrassed em- about this life? Yeah, who's he embarrassed? In front I don't know. Of? I don't even understand. Yeah, it's it. hard. It's hard to follow. Dean tries to come clean to Joanna about the truth, but chickens out at the last minute. Because things have sort of gotten complicated now over time. A romance is brewing. Yeah, months have gone by, it seems like. (laughs) The truth is that she has started to fall in love with him, as you mentioned, once she saw the sacrifice that he was putting for his family. It's sort of like that Rachel McAdams movie I was describing, (laughs) except they weren't actually together in the first place. Right. Okay. She has to learn to fall in love with him, but she's essentially a stranger to him anyway. And... All the while, she's developing motherly love towards his sons who are eager for a mother to be in their life. Well, she's really a saint for that because my love was not growing for the boys the more time spent. <laughs> I don't know. They were kind of growing. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's an underplayed part of the film, but yeah. it would be horribly sad to lose your mother totally, at that age. And yes. I think that that's sort of why they're so eager for her to be in their, yeah. in their lives. They they definitely want, want a motherly a presence. Mother. I mean, really, any parental presence would be a nice <laughs> shake-up to the family dynamic. But Essentially, the only time they had a dad was when they were asleep <laughs> right. because their dad was working 18-hour yeah, yeah. days. <laughs> and despite her past, evidence of which we witnessed at the start of the film before the amnesia, Joanna is a positive influence on the family. She is helping and nurturing, and thoughtful. She also convinces Dean over time to be a more responsible father to his sons as he previously brushed off their issues at school and wasn't concerned with rules or structure. And so, of course, we end up building towards their kiss and a love scene when he 
doesn't tell her the truth and then pretends it's her birthday. Yeah. And this leads to them having sex. And how about them getting her a washing machine as a birthday present? (laughs) (laughs) And she's legitimately excited about it. Yeah. It's dark. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely some uh, elements of this film that don't age particularly great. And maybe some elements that were never great. (laughs) Yeah, the gender dynamics of this film are a little wild. But I think ultimately... Its heart is in the right place, even if it's completely (laughs) wrong on something. Yeah, I know. And it's weird the way it plays out, too. They kind of introduce this thing that he's starting to feel like, okay, I have to tell her because, you know, something real is blooming here. And then, well, let me fuck her first. (laughs) Because I don't know how she's going to react, and I've got (laughs) to. Oh, God. I know. Yeah. Christy, come on. Yeah. She's like, you well, I wanted, you to, do wi- I wanted yeah. you to do Wildcats. Why would you pick this one? <laughs> okay, so they're nude, essentially, when the kids knock on the door yeah, this with is the wild. gift. Yeah. She sees the washing machine. She loves it. The kids are all sort of looking at her. She's covering up with a blanket, but then the, the oldest one is like, she might have no tits, but she has a nice ass yeah. after they close the door, and she hears them say that. <laughs> She's just like, I'm your mother. Yeah, these wild animals. She's like, oh my god, this is going to take longer than I thought to <laughs> turn these kids around. Surprise! Oh, a washing machine. You oh. like it? It's so expensive. No shit. Oh, I love it. Thank you. She might have no tits, but she has a nice ass. What did he say? Wouldn't a part of her be suspicious, though? That I think so. The way that the kids acted like they had no mother or no supervision and then all of a sudden they do i don't know if i haven't been clear about this she should definitely be more suspicious than she is even when she goes into the school and the teacher's like oh i didn't know he got married well if she's their mother right it's not like he just got married to someone new yeah wouldn't she be like don't you know who i am wouldn't you have met me before you would think that would come up yeah there's definitely some holes in the logic Joanna ends up discovering her own panties in the truck, but they have her actual initials on them. And so she believes Dean is cheating. Why did he just leave those panties in the- <laughs> I guess he forgot about them. For some reason, when he comes to claim his wife yeah. at the hospital, they're like, here's her panties. <laughs> like, what? The 80s, man. Billy ultimately takes the blame. <laughs> Which is actually a very funny oh, scene. He's like, that's why they call me Bad Boy Billy Platt. <laughs> and Bad Billy like, Platt. She's thrilled about this, even though she knows Billy's wife or partner or whatever. <laughs> as long as it's not me being made a well, fool of. Well, at one point, Dean said that she used to date Billy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a look at Billy? And then when she I asked used to date him, him? <laughs> yeah. she says... Well, when did we used to date? She says that to Billy, and Billy's face is like, what? (laughs) Found him in the glove compartment, huh? Yeah, now tell me every sort of detail. Who is J.S., and what does she do to Dean? Annie. Please tell me everything. Be honest with me, Billy. Annie, uh, that's my underwear. What? I don't mean I I wear it or anything. It belongs to a girlfriend of mine. What about Gertie? I strayed. See, Annie, I got lucky with this phone sex girl one night and uh, found one that accepted personal checks. And, uh, well, you see, uh, I don't have a back seat in my truck, so I, I, I used yours. Dean just doesn't want you to tell Gert, so he, he's covering for me. 
What in the hell are you talking about? Uh, I confessed. The jig is up. The jig is up, Billy. I'm finally trying to tell her the truth here. Uh, I just did. See, I didn't get the reputation for being bad Billy Pratt by accident. Annie, I'm sorry. I got horny. Do you hate me? Oh, no. I don't hate you. I'm glad you're bad, Billy Pratt. Oh. Honey, honey. Oh, phone for so sex, silly. girls. Don't come to your truck, honey. They come to your... No, stop trying to cover for him, sweetie. Let's just forget it. Pretty expensive panties. Well... You can have these back. That girl must have more than one phone. Oh. Pretty good, huh? You did all this just to protect your own ass because you faked a few pictures for me? No, I didn't protect your ass, okay? You belong with her. Joanna helps make Dean's dream come true by assisting in the brainstorming and designing of a miniature golf course. Although he has fallen in love with her, he cannot bring himself to tell her the truth about her real identity for fear that she will leave. How about this as a fucking story element? The fact that Dean and Billy's like have been working on this big plan to open up a miniature golf course based off the wonders of the world, and you find that out like forty five well, no. minutes into the movie. I don't even think it was based on the wonders of the world until she came up with oh, the okay, idea. Right, so they yeah. didn't even have an idea. <laughs> Just a miniature golf course. <laughs> this is the dream, guys. Oof. <laughs> think big. <laughs> wonders of the world miniature golf, nineteen eighty seven to nineteen eighty seven. They closed. <laughs> Two months later. Yeah, really. Due to complete lack of interest. Oh, yeah. Dean Olsen has to work three jobs. Yeah, they're going to be on Easy Street now. (laughs) (laughs) How much money did we make at the the golf course today, honey? 75 cents. (laughs) Somebody bought a snow cone. I mean, how much did it cost to, like, have that Mount Rushmore thing built? (laughs) Getting into the black seems like it would be a difficult... Run for this business. Eventually, after months have passed, Joanna's mother, Edith, who has become insanely suspicious regarding the whereabouts of her daughter, calls and threatens to have Grant hunted down, forcing him to reluctantly end the partying and return to Elk Cove. On the day that the miniature golf course is actually opening, Dean does try to come clean. It's mm-hmm. a weird timing. Yeah. It's weird timing, but he says, you're not really my wife and all this stuff, and she doesn't believe him. She doesn't know what he's talking about. So then he tries to get the kids to back him That's up, right. and the kids refuse to tell her the <laughs> truth. <laughs> Which you understand. Sure. Yeah. So it's the big opening day of the miniature golf course. There's not really much to that part of the plot. There's just people playing golf and having fun and then, you know, whatever. When the family returns... From the new miniature golf course, Grant is already at the house waiting. I'm not entirely sure how he figured out where she was. I guess he went to the hospital first. And they were like, oh, we gave gave her her to the 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 wrong guy? (laughs) They're like, oh, no, we're going to get sued. (laughs) He knew about the birthmark. Yeah. Is that enough? (laughs) We put him through a thorough test to make sure that he was legit. (laughs) Joanna's memory is instantly restored upon seeing him. It's a shocking moment where she doesn't know what to do or how to react. It's actually yeah. played well yeah, because it's like this slow dawning on right. her where at first she's almost turning to Dean uh-huh. for comfort in this situation. Like, How can wait, this wh- be? Yeah, yeah, like, help me. What am I, what's going on? Because it hasn't all dawned on her yeah. what he did to her yet. And so it takes her a minute to get horrified. It does seem like this would cause quite a bit of trauma. 
You would go insane. Right. Your like, brain how would could just this break. be? This li- you said it seems like it's been months. It does seem like it's been months. This is like a period of time of your life living a life that you think is yours, and then you find out that it wasn't. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Yeah, I don't know if this is something that could ever happen, but if it could, yeah. I wonder how that feels then. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Where, I mean, the time that you spent living the other life, how do you reflect on that? Like, how does it all come together as one memory then? Because yeah. you didn't know who you were for so long. You've seen 1408? <laughs> There's the yeah. part where John Cusack is like living his life for like 45 minutes of the movie and then it comes back and he's like, oh no, I was just still in the room. Yeah. It's like that. Like, you would just be, <laughs> how can this be? Hi, Grant. I just have to put these in some water. suddenly and he was right i mean i didn't believe him but i I saw you i walked past you into the house and poof my memory came back ask me anything ask me ask me about my childhood in new york uh about my mom her name is edith about my money money i have money i have lots of money i even have some in switzerland what see how i know me oh god this is the happiest day of my life oh thank you thank you for bringing me here and making me a wife and a mother and why did you do that I know why. You're that sweaty carpenter who hates me. And these are your children, and you made me believe them. Oh, God. used me. Say something. Annie, it just started out. My name is not Annie. And I don't belong with you. And I don't belong with them. It slowly dawns on her the gravity of the situation, the truth of what's been done to her, of what's happened. A distraught Joanna returns with Grant to their yacht, which is headed for New York, because Grant is she like, can't stay with this imposter now. Really bummed about how this whole thing has played out. He was really living like this Wolf of Wall Street-style life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty telling that he's her fucking husband, and he doesn't even pretend like he's going to fight or do anything <laughs> yeah. to Dean. Doesn't even threaten him with a lawsuit or anything. No. He's just like, all right, 
Give me the bitch. Let's go. But he's like, don't try anything. I do have this wrestler in like the front seat of the car who's going to get out and stand here for a minute. Yeah, what was his name? Olaf? Yeah. The kids are like, I think we could take Olaf. <laughs> Joanna now finds her old lifestyle boring and unappealing as she is uncomfortable being waited on and is embarrassed by how rude her mother and Grant treat the boat staff. I was enjoying this whole angle of having this doctor that's just on the boat with them. Yeah, which in a way makes sense. Yeah. We need to have this person because her brain might snap at right. any moment. But yeah. He's like playing piano and singing songs. They're too. all horrified that she is not waiting on the wait staff to give her things. Like she's getting up and doing stuff. Yeah, and yeah. they're like, what are you doing? Right. That's what's horrifying yeah. them. She's no longer the person that she used to be. She ultimately apologizes to Andrew and the crew for her spiteful treatment towards them. And it does not take long for her to realize how happy she actually was with Dean and his sons, prompting her to turn the yacht back around toward Elk Cove while Grant is asleep. By just, I would say, sort of recklessly throwing switches down in like the operation room of the boat. Well, I do think that she turns the big wheel at one point. Yeah. Right? It's a massive yacht for people who aren't sure what to picture. It's like a huge yacht. Right. With a staff and oh, yeah. a lot of rooms and everything. I would say that it's sort of a Stockholm Syndrome moment here. Where For sure. It's sort of like anything where there's a million movies like this where a guy does something that is seemingly unforgivable. Right. And then in the end it all works out and she loves him anyway. Tootsie, whatever. <laughs> there's yeah. these things where a man is pretending to do something or lying or doing some horrible thing, and then it somehow still works out. I don't know. It is bizarre. Even if she's like, you know what? I learned a valuable life lesson. I'm not going to be terrible to the people who work for me anymore. I'm going to be a better person. Uh huh. I learned responsibility. But guess what? I cannot be I'm a not going back to this you. insane no. man yeah. who essentially raped me. It's, it is rape because it's rape by deception. Sure. She thinks that she's this different person. It's the same thing. I mean, I'm sorry to bring it down. But yeah, really. It's time to get For this real. this 80s comedy. It's time to get real. Yeah. <laughs> the next morning when Grant finds out that Joanna has changed course, he becomes enraged, commandeering the yacht and dismissing the captain. Dismissing him. He then admits that he knew where Joanna was when she was in the hospital, but that he purposely left her there. He even admits to nonstop cheating parties while she was in... <laughs> Elk okay, Cove. you know what? Actually, Dean's not looking so bad now. They do go over the top with this. Yeah. He just is admitting everything for some reason. <laughs> He's just completely insane. Coming clean, yeah. This is how much I want nothing to do with you. Yeah, he goes so above and beyond in becoming terrible in the final minutes here. With Billy's ultra-convenient help from his Coast Guard buddies, Dean and the boys get assistance and a boat as Dean realizes he must pursue Joanna. They do track down the yacht, but the Coast Guard is called away due to a sighting of salmon poachers. So Dean grabs a life jacket and swims towards the yacht, and Joanna jumps into the ocean too, swimming towards him. An insane Grant furiously takes aim at Joanna with a bow and arrow. (laughs) (laughs) Wild. Only to be booted overboard by Andrew, who for some reason is factoring into the ending here. Yeah. (laughs) They have to go above and beyond right. in turning 
Grant so terrible because I think they probably know that some of the audience, even in 1987, is thinking, okay, this, yeah. what? Is Going back to now? Dean cannot be an option. <laughs> but look, this other yeah. guy tried to kill her. You know what? Dean's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, I love you. I'll never leave you again. I'll never let you go. You're my Annie, and you always will. Man overboard is kissing woman overboard. A rescue boat is starboard. The Gauthieros is being pulled in at port. It's a hell of a day at sea, sir. Can't believe you did it. Oh, I saw you jump, so oh, no. I jumped. No, no, I don't mean that. I can't believe you gave all that up just for me. I didn't. What do you What do you mean? Well, the truth is that it's mine. The boat, the money, everything. It's all mine. Dane! Dane, it's okay? Did you tell him? Yeah. They're making out the Christmas list. Oh, already? How do you spell Porsche? Well, they got me to thinking, though. What could I possibly give you ever that you don't already have? A little girl. After reuniting with Dean, Joanna assures him that she will divorce Grant for his infidelity so she can marry Dean and have his sons inherit her fortune. This is news to Dean, because at first he thinks that by choosing him, she will be giving up the money, which is sort of a sexist assumption to make. Yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, you're a trophy wife. This is not your money. Right. And then she's like, no, 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 no. It is my money. Yeah. Joanna also suggests having a daughter with Dean as a new member of the family, just as they kiss while the boat sails off into the sunset. How sweet. So it's a happy ending after all, despite all of the lies and deception. (laughs) (laughs) These two kids found a way to make it work. Yeah. As far as we know, anyway. And movies like this, of course, are uplifted by the charm of the leading performers. Yeah. And Goldie Hawn and... To a lesser extent, Kurt Russell, but certainly Goldie Hawn is the lead of the film and really, I think, takes average material, an yeah. average weird premise for a comedy, and uplifts it. Right. Great facial expressions, great comedic timing. This is exactly what she does best. You kind of hit on it earlier. The studio, I think, counting on the fact that people know that these two are really in a couple, are really in a relationship, which sort of makes people a little bit easier to go with it. Yeah, it balances out some of the creepiness, which is weird to think because I don't think that 35 years ago people were really approaching these things in any sort of a meta sense, but that is sort of how it is. There's a a world beyond the constraints of the fiction of the film that people are bringing into it, their preconceived ideas about the stars, so it feels less icky in some way. I think so. But... Yeah, again, it, it's definitely a premise that's not going to fly. No. In 2022, the especially 80s, with the lovemaking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 80s was definitely all in on these types of gimmicks though, the body switching, things like that. These amnesia surreal things like to be the jumping off point for romantic comedies. Yeah, I think that 
in the more free spending eras, people were willing to take more chances and try different things and not everything was just a variation of the right. same. You had to come up with some weird hook yeah, to your yeah. movie. Like during the elevator pitch, like, okay, she starts off as like this rich bitch and it's just awful to him. And then she gets amnesia, flip the script. And so he pretends like, that they're married. Yeah. Somebody's like, and then well, they wait, 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 wait. How did she get amnesia? I don't know. She fell off the boat. Let's call it overboard. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So. Thank you to Christy for the recommendation. It was a nice yeah, change of pace. Absolutely. We've got a few different. of those. A few requests that have been things that we probably never would have done for the show, but it's been kind of like a fun little departure from the normal schedule. Yeah, definitely shaking it up for us. To finish out listener request summer, which will be the rest of June, we have requests from Brian and Theodore. And then for the rest of the year, we have Peter in August, Shane in September, obviously skipping over July there. I think July will be a light month for us. I don't know if we'll take one extended break, but we'll probably only do a couple of new episodes or something. A little bit of a summer break. Yeah, it's our downtime. And then obviously October is off limits, so then we'll close out the year with requests from Eric and Bill. In November and December, and maybe potentially there will be an announcement about listener requests going forward <laughs> into 2023, yeah. but we're, we're working on that. We're, we're thinking of something. We're messing around with a, a new direction, potentially. <laughs> For the show in yeah. general. <laughs> So before we get to our recommendations for this week, which I think we're just going to touch on a few movies that are in theaters now, I wanted to talk a little bit about some movie news that came out this week because I had some opinions on it and I had some thoughts and it's a franchise that we've talked about a couple of times and we did the original film a couple of years ago for Greatest October and that would be Scream. Oh. So the news came out this week that Nev Campbell has turned down the offer to be in Scream 6, whatever it's going to be called. That's a shame. Feeling that they did not value her enough and they probably lowballed her with a low offer or whatever. Okay. Which is fine. So my thoughts on it are are a little complicated. As far as a story perspective or a creative perspective, I have zero problem with them moving on from the Sidney Prescott story. Totally, They probably could have done it and should have done it for Scream 5. I don't know why they didn't now knowing that they had the three that had been in everything if you're unclear about the future and you're even like killing off one of the characters why not try to figure out how to tie off that part of the universe right and it did seem that it was a little complicated in even getting her for five because i remember cox and arquette signing on first for the new screen that came out this year i don't really have a problem with it from that perspective it's fine although it leaves that character open-ended i guess theoretically she's always out free there. to come yeah. back in the future. That's only as of this recording. Obviously, things can change. Totally. Sometimes it's a ploy to publicly release something. That's right. And, and we've seen see it work, too. The yeah. crowd will, you know, the fans will sort of push for her to get signed or whatever. I don't know why they don't approach it. Now, this is a terrible movie, but why don't they, they don't approach it like Halloween Resurrection with Jamie Lee Curtis being in the opening and getting killed, why not have Nev Campbell be the opening yeah, kill right. in Scream 6? 
there's definitely possibilities. You offer her like a million dollars for one day of work or something like that. I'm sure you could make it work, something. Whatever. I don't know what she wants, and I don't know what they offered. I have no business assessing her value to the franchise. She would know better than me. I'm not going to say. I'm assuming they probably did lowball her. But, like I said, from a creative standpoint, it's fine. It's time to move on. They're bringing back other people from the Scream franchise. I don't even want to spoil it, even though they did through press announcements. Okay. You can look into it. They're bringing back other people. They're tying some of the other stuff together. And clearly the new people running the franchise, if you saw Scream 5 or you know Scream 2022, you know that they have no problem incorporating the history of the franchise. Oh, for sure. They really did it more so than the other sequels. My issue is that it had to happen like this. As you said, why not think ahead a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I know. Would it not have been better to end her story either by killing her off or just riding her off into the sunset ahead of time thinking two steps ahead rather than get yourself into a position where you're gonna do a sequel you don't have her signed already and so now it's happening publicly so you know i'm sure that at this stage in her career she's mature enough to just sort of accept it but it feels acrimonious it does and it's like why is this happening like this like i said I'm ready to move on from Sydney Prescott. Sure. It's absurd that yeah. this keeps happening to her specifically yeah. <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. But I don't want it to happen like this, where it's in between movies, and it's just like, well, she's not coming back now, so that's the end of that. Because so is Courtney Cox? I don't signing? know. I okay. don't know if that's confirmed one way or the other. I didn't really look into I it. I think they should not, you know, at this point. I have a feeling she will be in it, yeah, okay. because they're going to be afraid that if there's no connection... right. Look, the reason why Scream 5 probably got greenlit was because of Halloween 2018. So they weren't not going to have the original people. Because then you end up with, I know what you did last summer, rebooted on Amazon where no one gives a shit and it's forgotten in two seconds. Right, right, yeah. There is value in bringing back legacy characters. For sure. Because you run the risk of it just disappearing immediately. But... I don't know. It just lacks foresight to think this through, to have this happen in between movies. Like I said, hopefully they come to some sort of a thing where they could maybe incorporate her into the opening scene, or maybe she'll show up in the future, or whatever. Just because it just seems weird that it was done like this, and it's it's a franchise that means a lot to me. I enjoy all of them. The weakest is probably three, but yeah. two and four are a lot of two, four and five are a lot of fun, and one is a classic, right, and right. one of my favorite yes. movies. It kind of fits into that weird era where I'm too young to be a part of Gen X, but it feels like a very Gen X movie. And yeah. we've talked already about me worshiping and idolizing the Gen X movies right. of the nineties <laughs> yes. and just thinking they were so cool. Uh-huh. And Scream will always be cool to me no matter how old it gets. Yeah. It's just super enjoyable, super rewatchable. And they all talk about movies exactly. as if everyone's fluent yeah. in movie talk all <laughs> yeah. the time. Which is always a favorite. So yeah, I was a little bummed out that it played out like this. Again, I want to stress that from a creative point of view, this is fine to move away from this story. Her and Courtney Cox were never really integrated into five in a convincing way. They were the that weakest part felt of the weird. movie. Yeah, I know. And they almost seemed like an afterthought at times. Yeah. So, from that standpoint, it's fine, but I just didn't really want it to play out like this. But who knows how that'll happen. Anything could change any day. 
Absolutely. So who knows? Yeah. And you brought it up, and we've seen it happen some of these times where people do go to Twitter on this stuff like, oh, I'm out on this or whatever, and then... Yeah, they release like, oh, Tony Todd's not going to be in the new Candyman, and then he ends up being in it a little bit. Right. Because people were like, well, what, what are you doing? You got to yeah, have yeah, a minute. Yeah. It does seem like the most logical thing would be that she either shows up at the end f- where she worked on it for like one or two days, like Ghostbusters Afterlife, yeah, or yeah. she shows up at the beginning and she's the opening kill or something like that. Right. Sort of like Friday the 13th Part 2 with the girl from 1 and yes. that kind of a thing. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Okay, so let's move on to recommendations. I don't really think we need to go crazy with this stuff, but we're just going to briefly touch on three films in theaters the first of which i'm sure a lot of people have already seen because it's a huge movie and everyone's talking about it yeah. everyone's seen it of course we're talking about jurassic park dominion no i'm <laughs> kidding <laughs> we haven't seen that and i don't think we're planning on it we're talking about top gun maverick yeah man walked out of the theater with like a buzz i was loving it yeah it's interesting because if you like Marvel movies and superhero movies, then you probably feel like this is common. Yeah, yeah. To have these big crowd pleasing movies right. that critics also like. But if you're not really in on Marvel movies, this did feel like a throwback to some other time yeah, when yeah. you'd have these huge movies that the crowd just loves right. and made you feel good and Parts of it are super predictable, but you oh, don't yeah. care I know. because you want it to happen. Right. There's great throwbacks to the original, and it's this worthy sequel. And as far as like the legacy sequels go, look, I'm not going to say it's a better movie than Blade Runner 2049, but as far as reaching the most oh, people... Yeah. Let's just say there's a part that really brings you back to the original Yeah, in the midst of like a big long action sequence that really i was like yes i am here for this they do a lot of callbacks and it's weird there's not a ton of connections between the two films there's obviously Cruz. yeah yeah there is a small appearance by val kilmer which is obviously constrained because of his health issues i, I actually thought it was cool that they found a way to like make it work oh yeah yeah i do too yeah. but i'm saying other than that, yeah, yeah. there's not a lot of actual connections between as far as who's in it. Right. They use the score and they use yes. a little bit of Danger Zone. The character that Jennifer Connelly is playing, that, that is just hilarious to me. The <laughs> time, oh, character. don't even get into the ages of yeah. the characters. <laughs> Miles Teller, his character would be, if he was already like two or three in 1986, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's like almost 40 years old. <laughs> He's just now becoming a fighter pilot. Right, right. And Jennifer Conley, if you go back to the 1986, she was probably like 15 or 14. <laughs> so what are they talking You know, she's not the same age as No, Tom I Cruise. know. It's absurd. But whatever. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Part of the big discourse of this film on Twitter is like, holy shit, how hot is Jennifer Conley? As if, I don't know, have these people not been Welcome seeing movies? Aboard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, she's only been hot her whole life, yeah. <laughs> which has mostly been on screen. I think we all... Check out a little film we did for this podcast 
called the hot spot oh that dude that directed invisible man what's his name like lee one l oh yeah he was like tweeting (laughs) he was like yeah a lot of people have been pointing to career opportunities and the rocketeer but i want to mention a little picture called the hot spot (laughs) yeah he's like if you know you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah we know good lord Yeah. (laughs) yeah she's definitely something special and she's great in the movie and tom cruise is just a movie star Oh, yeah. People can nitpick his personal life, and obviously there's some skeletons in the closet with everything going on with him. But he has so much confidence on screen. I was reading this woman charm, Just charm forever. I was reading this woman's thread on Twitter about how women in action films, if they can't get action films for themselves, because this was written before... Her original article was before a lot of like these female superhero movies and whatnot. It was like, look, if women can't get action movies of their own, then the best place to be is next to Tom Cruise. And she lays out this case that makes complete sense where Cruise is like this generous co-star who never is afraid to be overshadowed, lets them have their moments. And I was thinking like, okay, what what is her point here? I can't even think of what happens in Top Gun. And then she starts talking about the boat thing and oh, yeah, how right. Jennifer Conley's like in charge and he's letting her teach and like how a lot of other action stars don't ever put scenes like that or have scenes like that because they're afraid of losing their spotlight or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. It's weird. They do have sort of an interesting chemistry and you do buy it. Her character is ridiculous. Right. I don't really even understand it, but okay. And the stuff with the younger people, obviously people already know all about Miles Teller. Oh, yeah. For people who haven't seen some of his work yet, this is definitely got to be like the big coming out party for glenn powell who oh, i was yeah. already familiar with because of everybody wants some yeah and, which people um, should check out scream queens the series yeah scream queens and he's in some other stuff too no, he's good and he's got like a great distinct look you would have expected it to happen for him a little bit more he was a great fit for this movie yeah i think he's gonna go to the next level miles now. teller this look that he's rocking with the mustache the aviators and like the unbuttoned shirt well know, they wanted him great. to look like goose yeah yeah you know and he does yeah right you, you totally buy it yeah absolutely i was disappointed that meg ryan wasn't in it yeah. but okay whatever yeah i actually like when i was driving home i like called Lindsay and was like you, you have got to see this in the theater <laughs> i'm like we're, we're going I'm i was a little you. surprised she wasn't there yeah yeah i don't know i i don't always get her excited for every movie but i was like this one we're going i'm seeing it again in the theater and you're going wow (laughs) yeah so now i'm going to touch on two movies i don't think you've seen okay crimes of the future the new cronenberg film Mm -hmm. i have been excited for it i think you got me super weird i don't really know how i feel about it now we're over a week since i saw it yeah and it definitely made me think and it's weird and i definitely think that it's a comedy in some ways even though it's not but i think it's supposed to be funny it's very strange it's in this future world that's hard to even wrap your mind around what's going on or where they are or what's going on but it stars vigo mortensen leah sidu kristen stewart amongst others stewart's performance in it is great She's so weird. She enunciates the words very strange. Two uh, actresses that I just absolutely love. Yeah. You know how... Well, I know... you. I don't think you've seen Videodrome, right? But No, I haven't. 
sometimes in these Cronenberg movies, he just has like these weird expressions that are a part of the films. And in this, it's like surgery is the new sex. Okay. And there's a lot of like surgery stuff. You just sort of wish that the budget was a little more. But if you're into Cronenberg and you're into especially his body horror era, this is definitely a return to that version of his work. I wouldn't say that it's on the same level as his 80s stuff, but it is interesting and it it definitely stuck with me and made me think much more than the film I saw after it, which is the new A24 film from Alex Garland, Men, which if you're hearing that title and you're thinking this can't be as obvious as it seems like it it's setting up to be is it it is <laughs> pu men <laughs> it almost feels like a parody of a24 and yeah. elevated horror films but it, it is does, not yeah it is serious even with the trailer which i i was kind of in on the trailer but it there does seem to be like a formula to this now to like the look and feel of at least like and sound of like what the trailer is going to be I still enjoy a lot of A24's totally. films, Absolutely. but it, this was sort of a big L for them, not just because Men Stinks and sort of got dragged a lot on Twitter, even yeah. though I think it has like a 70-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but that's only half of it. The other half is Robert Eggers, that's his name, right? Or yeah, yeah. I taking thought. the Northman away from A24. Not that he took it away, because it obviously wasn't a big hit, but part of what he was saying was that he would have more freedom outside of a24 which is sort of confirming some theories that people have had that they mold their films to look a certain way and be a certain way obviously the budget he got was way bigger at a big studio but not just the budget constraints but almost the artistic aesthetic to the the, to wanting them to look and be a certain way and so it it, it sort of indicated that there's more freedom maybe to leave a24 and do something elsewhere well i'm sure there will be some lessons learned and some adjustments made yeah i don't think men is really setting the world on fire it seems kind of divisive on letterbox with some people liking it some people hating it i do really like alex garland it's not like i'm rooting for a failure here but the end of the movie is gross and weird it's definitely a weird film yeah yeah (laughs) you can't ignore that part of it but the message seems about as subtle as a brick to the face which is what i said on letterboxd you get it and of course like all of these elevated horror films it's really about trauma which was interesting the first 10 times and then now these are all kind of the same sometimes you just want a movie like scream or x or something where it's just like yeah there's somebody killing people for real it's not some fucking imaginary thing or something like the Babadook or whatever you know it's like it is real right it's not scary it's not really thought-provoking you get the gimmick I'm not gonna give the main gimmick away on here but you get the gimmick pretty quick and then not much comes out of it and it was sort of a bummer so there you have it so we would recommend Top Gun Maverick I would also recommend Crimes of the Future, for certain people who are into Cronenberg and into that body horror genre, it's not going to be for everyone. I don't really know why people were walking out at Cannes. I didn't see anything that was like that horrifying about it, especially compared to some movies. But it is weird and fucked up, but 
you know, relative to other weird shit, it's right. not that bad. Anyway, check out those things. Thanks to Christy for the request. We'll be back with Brian's request next week. Find us on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and review. Let us know if you'd like a sticker on Twitter. We'll send that to you for free. And find us on Letterboxd. Oh, Zach1983, yeah. Matt Crosby, You Can See Me Trash, Men. <laughs> and, and my re- reviews of movies. Come on. They were yeah. gentle <laughs> admonishments to rate things higher, yeah, usually. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I, I'm starting to have a little bit of a revisionist history on some things. Although, yeah, you do rate everything like three and a half stars or above. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but even then, I'm like, this should be higher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so uh, stay tuned, folks. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.
I'm not a complicated man. I like cinema. In particular, I like to see people fucking on film. But I don't want to win an Oscar, and I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I like simple pleasures, like butter in my ass, lollipops in my mouth. That's just me. That's just something that I enjoy. Call me crazy, call me a pervert. But there's one little thing that I want to do in this life, and that is I want to make a dollar and a cent in this business.